tried to sabotage the igloo? Who tried to sabotage the igloo? Who tried to sabotage the igloo? Who tried to sabotage the igloo? Darren and Graham are gonna get you. Darren and Graham are gonna get you. Sing it! operating under the standard sort of um, petroleum-based medicine, which sounds kind of weird when you think it's petroleum-based, but it's real, that really is basis of a lot of this, the synthetic medicine. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Charlie Robinson a little bit later. Uh, coming at you from the Denver airport, I believe, where he did say they took down a lot of the creepier murals, which is too bad because I didn't want to go see him. So yeah, that's a fun one. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Before we get into that, we got, uh, UFO Graham Dunlop over here in his Congress shirt. I don't have anything prepared. I'm unprepared. Hey buddy. Yeah, this, I I just want to expand a little bit on your Charlie Robinson. This was a fantastic episode. His book is like the encyclopedia or the manual to global conspiracies. Like we were talking about waking up to John Perkins book, the economic hitman, And, and then we got into all kinds. Oh yeah. It's full filled with quotes too. Like if you want to know the context of what's going on in the world from, from new media people currently to fucking people like a hundred years ago, he said he 70 years a, ago, there's hundreds of fucking, he awesome said he was going to send us a hard copy, right? In fact, I could almost supplement when I'm almost out of UFO quotes. I could almost change it to quotes from his book of yeah, global power players. That would be fucking worth having a copy of for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got to get a copy for the studio. It's yeah. honestly it's like, like an a encyclopedia, manual. Yeah. A manual. Full of bulleted points. You know how we always talk about, you just want to see things in bullet form. Yeah. Well, you look at all, a lot of these conspiracies, like what's wrong with Sandy Hook? What's wrong with nine 11? Oh boy. And it's full of bullet points. And it's, it just shows you like, here's, here's what's going on. He's not saying not coming to any conclusions just throwing it all out there hmm. there you fantastic go fantastic book and it's a good chat with him too i think we'll have him on and is it on and, audio no uh back in audio books you know i think iTunes? i listened to it on my voice dream what's it called really has gotten their act together since because i actually I, I bought my no i bought my last audio book through um itunes because it was literally half the price of audible oh and i didn't have a credit Really? So I just searched on iTunes and it came up and I was like, fuck it, I'll give it a whirl. It's been like fucking six years since I listened, or at least five years since I've listened to an audiobook, and it was really bad before. So I downloaded it. Bad how? Bad quality wise? No, bad usability, functionality. It kept losing my spot. Oh my God, I couldn't. So, like, even this one, I started like tracking. I take a screenshot when I'm done so I know where I'm at uh, going into it, but it hasn't messed up yet. It was worked just as good as Audible, at least. So it doesn't play through your... Now it, they use the actual iBooks app where you can save all your PDFs and everything. It's also an audiobook player. I was going to ask you that, so it's in yeah, iBooks. And okay. Yeah, so I've been, I, I'm only about... Well, I'm, I'm five hours in, and I've, it hasn't lost my place, and it's oh, been working good. just as well. Yeah. Good, yeah. That's interesting. Can you speed know. it up? Yeah, you can do all that. I don't do it. Sometimes you... you I've got a well. fairly quick narrative. I do it if it's fucking Wilcock. But um, I've got a fairly quick narrative. Fuck, it's 26 hours. And that's yeah. only part one of three. I think all together it's 72 hours. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 
the trilogy of the Gulag Archipelago. Yeah, nice. It's a little Very dark. Funny. Yeah. It's a little dark, but at the same time, it's. I feel like it's... I'm glad I, I'm listening to it. It might get to the point where it gets too much for yeah, me. You but, might just have to take put it aside and go back. To yeah, it. that's right. A lot of audiobooks now, or even books in general, I can't go all the way through. Like even this book by Charlie, I, I'd read most of it, but it's fucking huge. And you know, you can't you can't just a lot of it is review, so you skip the chapters that are just the same yeah. old shit, right? Well, this is none of this is review for me. <laughs> no, this is no, all that fucking, be, no, that would It's be. it's fucking insane. It really is something else. Yeah, to listen to. So, before we forget, we've got to send some good vibes out to Chris Wilson. I think oh, he's yeah. a fellow knight of... He is a agenda, knight, and he's a sound guru. Round table. He's and a jingle yeah, master. That's, he's a jingle master, like our own jingle master. Actually, him and the king of jingles could have a little jingle off. But anyway, I know he's having some problems. Not some problems. I don't want to say problems. I know he's got uh, a health concern right now. Um, I don't know how serious it is, but uh, I know that he could use some good vibes. So actually, I might as well actually give him some good vibes. I can't just talk about good vibes and not send him the jingle. Especially probably, when he's a jingle, jingle dude. Probably doesn't work the same either. Get better, buddy. There you go. Yeah, that's nice. Get better soon, buddy. He said he was going to try and get us the jingle out by the end of the week. Just forget about the jingle for now. Yeah. Until you're no feeling rush. better. No, no rush. rush. The jingle. So let's have a little update on the igloo crash. I mean, we do have to, if people haven't heard the update, last have episode. You seen? Fucking nothing changed. I, might, I finally managed to get those motherfuckers here on Tuesday or Monday. Monday afternoon. So the insurance eight, people? Yeah, eight. No, no. Yeah, the contractor. Oh, Eight days after the crash, they came and cleaned up all the fucking broken shit all over my driveway in my front yard. So just so if people haven't heard the last episode, a stolen car crashed at high speeds into Darren's cars and garage, tore the garage apart, missed the igloo by inches. Yeah. And now Darren's in the midst of trying to fix all the damage and sort out what's going on. And we thought we might have to move this. Doesn't this. look so. So the first guy came and he said he thinks it's okay, but he's not. A, he didn't want to say 100%. Oh. That the garage is salvageable? Yeah. Okay, so leaving the but pad... But they did like, mention that if the fucking... If it's not salvageable, they're not going to let this thing stay. Really? Yeah. But I think, like, so far he's saying it looks like it is. So I think... I'm just... I just really like to see that officially. Not only that, he said um, before they start construction, they're going to put up a temporary hoarding wall with plywood straight across here so that we can still use the studio and everything during construction. Wow. That's good. So, yeah. That's so good. Any help. any other update at all, or like uh, the cars is a write off. Yeah, we knew, there you knew is, that. There is, I think there was twenty nine thousand dollars worth of damage <laughs> on a car, on your car <laughs> on a car that's probably worth about like twelve six or twelve or something. Yeah. You and then what about all got the, three cars? What about all you your, got three brand new? What about all the other stuff that in the garage that was damaged? I haven't wasn't? heard yet. Yeah, I haven't said anything yet. It's weird because well, I don't want to talk about it on air yet. Well, just about about just how the whole thing works. I don't want to talk about stuff yet until I've got a check in my Turn head. Lawyer just up. in case. You know, I just don't want, you know, maybe the insurance dick listens to the podcast. You said fucking, uh, <laughs> now I'm only giving you this. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They did make me an offer for the car, so. That's good. 
That's mean, good. So stuff's moving along a, a little yeah, bit. And, then? and we've got friend of the show, Garrett, that used to work insurance. So I'm using him as my advisor. I bounce yeah. everything off of him yeah. and he's checking into some stuff for me. And then me, you so. got lawyer buddies too. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. I've got Jagger out in Ontario. Yeah. Actually, he wants to come on the show and teach us about how traffic tickets work and bring yeah. us up to so speed. So there's no point in me trying to fight my traffic ticket. I don't think I'm going to. I just ignored it. It's probably put it in the drawer and ignored it. So Did you? Yeah. So I'm going to get pulled over in Saskatchewan. I'll probably, what, what happens? I get a fucking arrest warrant or something if I haven't paid it? I hope yeah, I don't know how, how that <laughs> works. No, I don't think so. I think a traffic ticket just goes to collections eventually. It'll affect your credit eventually. Really? Yeah. But. Um, you just have to pay a couple grand when you renew your license. You won't have to do clients. that. You won't have to do that if it was in Saskatchewan. It won't affect your registry here. Oh, you think that it's going to come through? Uh, oh, I don't know. No, I don't guarantees. Know. Yeah. Huh? 100%. Same with BC. But they'll they'll be able to tell when they pull me over that I've got an outstanding ticket probably. Oh, yeah. Throw they the might book like at you. fucking impound your car or something. <laughs> yeah. It could get ugly for you real quick. It's hard, man. Driving on those fucking lonely roads that are just those through the prairies. Roads? Nothing there. You're fucking just, you, you get mad at you know? Seen a lot of things. That <laughs> <laughs> can't be that bad. Listen to podcasts. It's just, I'm saying it's, easy. it's hard to go slow. People say you should just slow down and not but you rush should just slow everywhere. Down. And it's not that I'm rushing. I just like to go fast. You're rushing. It's a comfort thing. Is it? 140 is comfortable. 100 is fucking, it's creepy. <laughs> <clears throat> right? You don't, I don't go know about creepy. It's just, it's, I don't speed it anymore. Doesn't feel, I got it doesn't kids, feel right. My kids are with me. I don't speed too much. If, if I'm on a road trip, I'll do maybe 10 or 15. Yeah, over. well, that's, 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 that's fine. not 40 over. I know, but <laughs> that's like 110. If the speed limit's 110, I'm doing 120. You're doing 150. And texting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not texting <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so, what do you got, no, buddy? That's bad. I know. That's bad. Texting's the worst thing. I'm telling you right now, it's going to come out here that it's going to be susp- automatic suspension. It already did in two provinces. Wow. But if you have a dock, I think you get away with yeah. certain things. Like, I think they, I think you'll get off with texting at a light and stuff like that if it's on a dock. Yeah, that's They don't right. mind if it's yeah. on a dock. They don't want to see people looking at their laps while they're driving down the deer foot. It's fucked up. I have a dock on the dash and... Dash, they're pretty dash dock dash dock and you know what what about in the old days when there's just a radio and you're always flipping through the well, stations that's what on your saying. radio it's, I, mean, I think they're saying if you have people a, are shaving in the day and eating and drinking coffee you like you really shouldn't be shaving people used to do it all the time on the way to work well they shouldn't be shaving you know what there's but also I'm just people saying, that there's, there's also always people been that, distractions there's people that made their living looking for fucking people that were shaving pulling in front of them and slamming on the brakes no yeah I look for the girl doing her makeup. No. Pull in front of her, hit the brakes. Ah, fuck my neck. Oh, yeah, man. Guaranteed. And makeup, too. Makeup, hair, all that stuff. Yeah, just look for someone fucking around and fucking. Oh, motherfuckers eating cereal. I should get into that, actually. So that's it for uh, for the. That's it for now, man. crash. We'll see how it goes. Thanks to all people, people sending good vibes and got a couple extra donations, which helps. And yeah, it's been good. It's unbelievably fucking, um, I honestly can't believe how long and painful the whole process is. Yeah. It's weird. eh? You're just in a random spot. Well, supposedly random. I mean, you never know. Could have been a A shot across the bow. Could have been an assassin attempt from Graham. You know, supposedly this is a (laughs) a random thing. 
we've had we've had co-hosts potential co-hosts step it up and if my plan ever does have we have people fruition, emailing you to replace me already yeah i get to pick my own replacement you know you know will sign that in your will and people are going to read your will and after they find out you shot yourself in the head twice <laughs> wait i crashed my own car into my studio while i was in it i don't know how he did it so, is the Wi-Fi not on in here or something? It's not on either. How did that happen? That so anyways, uh, we should, do you want me to read a couple emails there? You, we had somebody donate. And write this down. Or a pencil. So Why don't you send I've been trying to get it to play for a little while America now. Show. It just finally started Eagle working. Next line. Because the Wi-Fi is not working. That might mean the internet's not working. Next line. Calgary. Alberta. Next line. It's fine Canada. Next line. T2T space. 5H7. That's the P.O. box. Why don't you send Darren some dirty socks? Cause he's got a dirty sock fetish. Ha-ha. Why don't you send Graham some gold bowling? Cause he's got a gold bowling fetish. Ha-ha. Send him some gold. Send him some gold. Don't send socks unless they have treats inside them. We're getting, we have, we have plenty of socks. Actually, I think we got about five pairs. That could get us through a pinch. We can make some puppets. Oh, and you got those ones. I think you should wear those ones to a meetup. Maybe I'll bring them. They look good with suit. Cabin, cabin contact yeah. in the cabin this year. They look good with dress pants. You know, when you sit down, they kind of ride up so you can really see the whole sock. He's talking about Bigfoot socks that were sent to the igloo. I wore the shirt yesterday. Nice. So what do you got here? I got a flying angel cat. You got, you got a letter from, uh, from a, some a, listeners? I don't think it's a letter. It's more of it's a, a postcard. Postcard. Okay. It's not even a postcard. It's a greeting card. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's from... Uh, it says, uh, I send lots of cards to lots of people, but yours has a flying kitten on it. <laughs> Grimericans, here's a down payment on what I owe you guys for all the hard work and love you've put into the show over the years. You guys rock. Much love, Tal. Thanks, Tal. Awesome. We got another one. Two cards for one show, which is like a new record. It says, Simply Grateful. Nice, classy, green. Yep. It says, For people like you but he crossed out you and switched it to y'all <laughs> sitting here on the equinox equinox watching it snow put <clears throat> in mind some of my favorite canadians he spelled favorite wrong there should be a you in there <laughs> maybe it's a canadian thing good vibes and great intentions for me thank you both for creating this great community y'all started and i'm very grateful i can be a part of it a american Nikki the dude. Thanks, Nikki. That's his like quarterly bonus to us. It's awesome. Get it in the mail. That's right. A little couple. He green, also has a monthly. A couple greenbacks in there too. Yeah. Can we say that? Can you say greenbacks? I think so. I think that might be a federal offense. It's so <laughs> sent him pot in the mail. And... <laughs> in dirty socks. There's a couple offenses. I mean, if they want to take us down, they'll, they'll have. They'll find a the way. The thing is, they, if... all, they already tried, and it's not yeah. going to work. If it ever does go the, the way, it was easy to smash, and it's hard. Yeah. You couldn't even get through the garage. We'll definitely be the first to go if there's ever any sort of a cleanse. What? The podcasters. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. see it. The last form of free speech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has gone. <laughs> and they'll start, anyone who's listening, they'll start tracking you guys down and oh, geez, one by one. So? I don't know. Probably not. I like to think it's headed in the other direction. 
So I wanted to talk about that other donation we got. You set it all up. Somebody, what up? The donation where it was like somebody donated for a yearly sort of subscription oh, kind of thing. I didn't set it up. It was just... Uh, well, you did. You sent out... The, you set it up. You set the whole thing up. Well, I don't think I did. I set it up. He was his suggestion. Oh, I guess that part of it I set up, but no, even that was his suggestion. Yeah, but you sent it out and all that is what I'm saying. Oh, that's so. right. Yes, I sent it out. <clears throat> so you sent it out to say uh, <laughs> the first two people emailing in get a uh, sort of a year subscription to the Black Budget donated from this other. From Josh. From Josh. Josh L. from Alaska. Yeah. So that was because he had won some money, and actually I wanted to find his, his uh, oh yeah, here it is. So, Josh L. Darren, I emailed you a while back about donating some of my gambling winnings to the Cancer Trust. So he also donated 140 to the Trinity Fund. Um, I emailed you a while back about donating some of my gambling winnings to the Cancer Travel Fund for the young girl, and I had given some money, but I can't remember the info. Can you send me the info again if the fund is still open? I woke up this morning and won $1,000 on a bet I forgot about <laughs> and also won a baseball bet on the same day for another $350. i would like to donate $140 to the fund and buy two-year subscriptions for a couple of fans you could give away. Nice. I'm already a yearly subscriber. Come to Alaska sometime and we'll hunt Sasquatch. I didn't know Sasquatch Thanks, was guys. Wasn't that the Keep Yeti up. up there, maybe? Uh, it's more of a Yeti species up there in the tundra. I thought the Yeti was in the Himalayas. I'm just kidding. Are you? It's not not funny. Just saying. Uh, so if I can find the gnome. So Darren, Darren sent a tweet out, I believe, and, and somewhere else in our chats probably, and said the first two people to email Graham with Synchro, etc., um, you get a, a thing. So I got an email right away from Charles. Gram with synchro, et cetera, in it. Wait, wait, so wait. I found me, that pretty funny. Before you get into that, let well, me, did, let me read his note. Okay. So he said, Darren, maybe call it the 10% challenge. There's a lot of us gamblers out there, and we could give Trinity or another cause 10%, and you guys also set the goal of 10% of listeners donating to the show. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's like 15 or 20 times what we get now. Um. I know it is a hurdle, but it's doable. You're right. I like his attitude. Can do attitude. This 50 bucks or whatever it translates to in Canadian can be the start. Josh in the frozen tundra. Nice. And so now we can segue into what you've, what you've got. So you got some replies right away. Yeah. Just ground with synchro, did you, et cetera. Did you give him that one? Yeah, I gave him that one. I thought did he reply to some proper? No. It's, he it just was left it at that and he gave it to him? Yeah, it was funny. <clears throat> I would have. I would have denied him. <laughs> and then we got one from Lori, and she says, shout out from Michigan. She says, uh, I've had some crazy synchros. They seem to come in waves, but this one really tripped me out. A couple years ago, I was obsessed with the lyrics. To, oh, this is this is a good one. Ready? Yep. A couple years ago, I was obsessed with the lyrics to Adele's Skyfall. That's another topic, but I feel like the song has hidden meaning to it. Each time I listened to it, I got something more from it. So I was on my way to work one Saturday morning, driving on the freeway. I was listening to that Adele song. I remember thinking what a beautiful, calm day it was. The sky was bright, blue, and clear. I turned the volume up to listen to the song for the third time in a row. 
and out of nowhere, the most perfect, stunning blue Saturn Sky sports car came right up beside me. It had blacked out windows. It was the cleanest car I'd ever seen. It paused for a moment, then sped up, cut in front of me as if it wanted me to see the name on the back, as if I had, <clears throat> it had known my obsession with the song, taunting me, and then gunned it. I watched it as it sped away until it was gone. I drove to work in complete silence after that. I'd never seen a Saturn sky on the road before and honestly didn't even know it was a real vehicle until that very moment. To me, it validated the message I was getting from the song. Me and my guy have been listening to Grimm for about three years now. You're one of my favorite pod, one of our favorite podcasts by far. Thanks for all you do. So yeah, thanks for the email. I hope you enjoy the feed. That would be the feed to the Black Budget episodes and we got some little extra content some of it's a a little more uh did you want to talk about that yeah read that email too really as well um actually i'll go into the support spiel first yeah and then i'll read it because i gotta find it so support the show guys if you can when you can um like we said we're, we're just doing this thing and we're not uh i i mean we have had some people call it a paywall but we're what we're really doing is the value for value thing. We will keep doing the free thing, keep doing all the back catalog for free. And we just, if you, if you can afford to give us a buck a month or two bucks a month or a buck a week or five bucks a month, we kind of leave that all wide open to you guys. Or you can even do a one-time donation if you can't afford it. And I've, I've even given out the feed, you know, a couple dozen times or at least a dozen times to people that, you know, have, offered to do this or that because they just can't afford it. So it's like, okay, well I'll go, you know, share the show in a few places and view yeah, it wherever yeah. I can. Well, that's what I thought. I thought that you were doing that as well. So. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want it to be abused. No, but we don't want to have ads. And did you talk about that already? And we don't want to have, um, you know, other sponsors and stuff like that. So we don't like want to get into any supported, of right? We don't want to make you guys a product. We just want to be the product and, offer you guys some value by keep doing the show and keep doing these interviews. And if you guys can afford it or you sign up for one of these PayPal's or the Patreons, and if you can, or you do a one-time donation and then all of a sudden um, we've, we've started this where we've got 22 or 23 and counting episodes in the black budget feed, which are coming along with just some extra content as a reward for the people that do, because I mean, it is, like I say, you know, we're sitting on about, three quarters of 1% support rate, which isn't a lot. And it's, yeah, it's not enough to to continue growing. Yeah. Or, you know, it's enough, you know, it's, it's enough to maintain probably, but that's about it. That's right. Yeah. And we are going to have to move eventually and things like that. So, so this is uh this is his email. It says what happened to no paywalls ever. And now this was triggered from the Randall, the awesome Randall Carlson episode that we threw in the black budget. And Darren and I had talked about this. I mean, obviously, this is going to come up. Um, it says, hi there. Let me start off by saying how much I appreciate the show and how much you've done to bring such a fine quality of show out to the public at large. Your wide range of topics have helped me discover new interests and new ideas. I probably would not have found from any other podcast of this type. You two are great hosts and bring some fresh ideas and perspectives and generally seem to have things to add to the conversations with your guests, not just letting them talk on their own and do the same that seems to happen as they talk to multiple different podcasts on the same subject. I've been listening to four years now and loved almost everything I've heard, but here's where I come to the feeling that I might not be listening for much longer as I feel you guys are stepping back from a principle you have held from the very beginning. 
For as long as I can remember, you have started what you use a value for value model and there's no paywalls ever. Well, now it seems like you're pushing your black budget section for supporters and there is content there that I would not normally be able to access. Up until recently, I've paid it no mind. There was nothing I could see in that area that really interested me. And I just said, well, I don't mind. It's all this stuff I don't really care about in there anyways. But two things now have made me completely change my mind on that topic, both coming from a recent live stream of a talk with Randall Carlson. Randall is my all-time favorite guest on your show. Hell, on basically any show for that matter. I was lucky enough to catch the very start of the stream from a YouTube notification. I started to watch the stream and soon became apparent you guys were talking to him without audio coming from his end. Yes, there was a technical problem that's hard to blame you guys for. Hell, any of... Any of my problems is hard to blame you for. You provide a free service to us by taking your time and effort to provide us listeners with a show that's completely free. At least that's what I would have said a few months ago. It's more like 75% free nowadays. Well, the Black Budget <laughs> is technically a different show. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll, we'll get into it. But you do give people free content and don't really ask anything at all from us back where other shows would only give you half the interview for free. You guys are still awesome for that fact, but I'm digressing. So I'm listening and waiting for the interview to start. No problems there. Not long after the start of the stream, Darren mentions that this is a live stream and the full archive of this will be available in the black budget section. No biggie there. I counted myself lucky to catch the start of the show and I would at least be able to see the interview that I would normally not be able to see anyways. But then Darren says something that just digs right into my mind and puts me off watching much more. He states, and if you're listening to this now and it's not live and you're not a black budget member, you are stealing. Are you freaking kidding me? I would never claim you guys endorse stealing, but that coming from a person who this whole time I've looked up to and considered to be a very anti-establishmentarianism that comes across as a slap in the face. And Feely is using the same logic as the big corporations who wrote and enforce our corrupt copyright laws we have today. This compounded with the fact that 10 minutes of waiting for the interview to start turned into 15, then 20, then nearly 30, and still not much of anything. At that point, I paused the stream hoping to wait, wait it out and get in a couple minutes. And I would go back and you guys would have the ball rolling. Well, I ended up getting sidetracked and leaving my house for an errand and totally forgetting about the stream, only to come back and find it's offline and I can no longer play where I left off. Let me tell you this. I would really like, no, I would really love to be able to support the show. I just have no ability to. I work for cash. I just make enough to barely live off, and I don't have a bank account to send you a small donation it would take for me to listen to the episode. Or so I would want to, or so I would want to watch the black budget. No hard feelings, but now I'm actively seeking out that episode where I can find it for free, then watch it if I can find it. I'm feeling like I'm doing what I have. Well, I feel like I'm doing what I have to do now. You guys are locking things behind a paywall, just as you guys are doing what you feel you have to do to fund the show. I want to thank you again for all your shows you have provided and hope you can continue far in the future and wish you nothing but success on the show. Thank you. 6010, a long-time listener and fan of the show. Has he emailed before? Uh, don't know. I don't think so. But I, I, I don't know. Email so anyways, it was good, it was good feedback and it was well-timed because obviously, you know, Darren and I had talked about this and I mean, I responded to him asking for some input and, and I mean, I feel like there's three, three real profound ways where we aren't your typical paywall. I mean, 
first of all, you just already said it, that we have said to people, if you really want access and you can't afford it, you can email in or you can do something else. I mean, there is other ways, you know, you just have to touch base with us, really. I mean, we're not that I prefer you didn't touch sticky. base like that and say you're going to stop listening to the show. No, but I mean, I have a problem with you calling them out the stealing as well. That's uh, well, I, have, I don't I have, have a, a problem funny, with it because it's a joke. And, I mean, yeah, I think everyone should, takes it as a joke. Yeah, and, but it's it, you don't say it in a very jokey manner. <laughs> well, if you know me and you're a supporter, then you should know I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And in a lot of ways, I mean, you shouldn't be seeking out that, you know? No, I know. It's, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not fair, Being but it's not really establishment has nothing to do with fucking our podcast no but we've always had like we've always had it where our content yeah, is but if out you've there listened to all listen the shows you know why we have to do what we do because yeah. fucking we're yeah. not doing what we need to be we're doing less than 10 percent of what our friends and our other shows are doing which is fine but yeah you know when we try and put a little carrot out there that isn't that hard to get into People have given two dollars one time and gotten the black budget. Well, feed. that's what I was. People say. have tracked down a couple email addresses for me and gotten the black budget feed. People review the show all wherever yeah. they can and send me screenshots and you get the black budget yeah, feed. Yeah. Or you just someone emailed me and said that they're a single dad and they can't afford it and they get the black budget feed. That's why I don't so think you it, tell we can me call when motherfucking the establishment starts doing that. Yeah, and then we can have a conversation. But yeah. I mean, if you don't want to listen to the show because of the black budget feed. That's your prerogative, and CIO uh, later. The, the other thing is that we are, so we're trying to do this live as well. Most of the shows are going to come out live. We're working through some technical difficulties. And, and they'll to probably me, end up coming out a few months down the road eventually anyway. You know what I mean? That's what happens with well, the that's, RPG that's what I was say. Three or I mean, four months down the road, they'll come out. No, but not only that, but we are giving it out live for free. That's right. So, yeah, and then it goes behind out. You know, you can pay a dollar or two dollars, whatever you want, one time. You go buy a five dollar fucking gift visa from the Seven Eleven and fucking donate five dollars one time and you get the feed. Or you can just send a letter calling us pieces of shit and you get the feed too, apparently. <laughs> No, he was very complimentary as well. It's not that. You, you, we, probably, we probably take you it a little bit it, differently. You replied a lot differently than I would reply. Let's yeah, see that. yeah, for sure. So anyways, lots of reasons why that we think that it's not just it's not just your typical paywall. That's right. And I, it, it's kind of saddening to see it go in that direction instead of the opposite because, you know, I don't want to cut the show in half either. That, you know, that to me is a lot different than what we're doing. So. Oh, it's totally different, yeah. You know, but I can see his frustration we're, trying to watch Randall doing, live, and then it's work. not like put it this way: that Randall Carlson will be the one of the best interviews he's ever done. It was great. That's right. So, and that is in in the feed. And I mean, I I'm sure it was frustrating for him trying to watch it live, and I don't remember what was happening. I thought it was fine, so I don't know if those it technical ended up fine. It ended up fine, or yeah, but it was. And then we have the audio only feed during it now too. So we're gonna do yeah, audio only. I think it broke down. I mean, no one else or? complained. I know the we're still we're working on the video thing. So how how's that going to work? It's going to take a while the, before uh, we have it for free. How's it going to work with the audio? So people can listen live through Spreaker and watch it live through YouTube. Yeah, whenever we do our live streams now, there'll be grammerica.ca slash Spreaker will be the audio feed, and grammerica.ca slash live will be the video feed. Um, I think we'll have our video problems worked out pretty quick. We got some new software. Um, Brody got us some new software, so we're hoping that'll make the difference. Uh, so that might be worked out now, but if you are having buffering problems, I mean, sometimes the buffering problems could be your location as well. But if you're having buffering problems, go to the grammerica.ca slash Spreaker. 
and uh, that'll be the other. Or if you're driving in your car and you don't want to use up all your data, I think you can listen for about 50 megabytes an hour as opposed to a gig or two. We better um, wrap it up because okay. we, we have to jump on with Phil. Okay, I'll save, I'll save my geoengineering stuff for next episode. I just want to do a quick UFO quote because I got it here already. Down and Graham going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. All right, so this is this is an old one. When the mysterious light first appeared. It was seen moving rapidly from the northeast and heading in a southwesterly direction. As it neared the southern boundary of the city of Sacramento, it turned directly toward the west and after passing the city went south, being distinctly visible for upward of 20 minutes. That's the Deputy Secretary of State of California, George A. McCalvary, the San Francisco Call, November 25th, 1896. Nice. Uh, okay. Well, there you have it. That's before things were flying I just got around. a text that made me laugh from Garrett. Oh, did you? He doesn't even have the fucking drivers installed for his interface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that means I win the $5 bet, too. There you go. All right, All right so guys. Thanks. You guys should enjoy, enjoy this chat. Uh, it does get a little noisy at time in the background. That's because we could only catch him at the airport, but uh, it's well worth putting up with. Tonight we've got Charlie Robinson here, the author of The Octopus of Global Control. And uh, I have a feeling Charlie was just sick of the way things are and he decided to do something about it. So he pretty much wrote like a 540-page textbook on global control. It's quite an amazing book. So we're happy to have you here on the show. Thanks, Charlie, for coming on and chatting with us about all this. Thanks for having me. I just caught up on all uh, on a couple of your recent shows. Your uh, Walter Bosley, oh nice, and Joseph P. Farrell. I love that. I love that secret space program stuff. That's just the most interesting topic out there, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, and I could listen to Joseph Farrell read the uh, oh, dictionary. Totally, totally. tends to make it interesting. He always has to throw in the Gefelschot something or other, and like his perfect German <laughs> yeah. makes it even more authentic. Yeah. Well, well, thanks for yeah. listening to those. That's awesome, and and it overlaps with a lot of the work you've done in this big book too. I mean, it really does. Like, it, yeah, and, and uh, 
I mean, we should probably just, you should probably just summarize the book because I'm serious. This is like the sure. thing I've been looking for, 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 for global, global <laughs> domination, because it's got all these, all these quotes that put everything into context. So quotes from the power yeah. players in the world and the, and, and quotes from the new media. And it's got, got bullet points of everything. I mean, it's really like a manual. Like you could have this in to reference whatever you want of what's going on in, in the world right now. Well, thanks. I mean, sort of, it kind of came about in part because, uh, well, you guys, I'm sure. And like most audience, I had ruined Thanksgiving dinners by bringing up nine 11. I had, it basically had the table turn on me when bringing up topics about, you know, alternative, uh, ideas about what's happening in world history. And, um, I realized that for me, the one thing that sort of woke me up was, 9-11 in general, but Building 7 in particular. But then as I started to put the book, I realized that there's, you know, I cover like at least 50 different topics in there. And you never know which is going to be the one that, that sort of trips it in somebody's mind. And they go, on a second, this is all bullshit. This yeah. is this whole history. You know, for me, it was 9-11, but for someone else, it might be, I don't know, Boston Marathon. It might be the Gulf of Tonkin. I was just going to be... say that exact one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's always one. So in terms of like with the book, um, it's actually meant for people that are sort of on the fence about a lot of these topics. So like, if you've got someone in your life, like your, you know, member or a friend who says, listen, man, you sound like a, a crazy person talking about all this, you know, look, and, and you've gone down that path and you can't bring it up anymore. Send them the book, let them read it and let them take a look at it. Because between all of the topics that I discuss and how I lay it out, I infuse it with as much humor as I can because let's face it, these are some really serious topics and uh, there's, you know, there's, it's a bit depressing on, in, in some levels. So as much humor as I could put in it, I do. I get kind of crude, but that's okay. Uh, I, I take big shots at, you know, people that deserve it. Like, you know, I don't know, John Holdren and, uh, the TSA and uh, the Federal Reserve and basically all those all the maniacs running the world. I mean, I really kick them in the nuts in the book. And um, but how it all sort of came about in the beginning was that um, you know I'd like to say I woke up on nine on the morning of nine eleven. I figured out it was a false flag, but I didn't. It took year, it took a couple years after that, and a variety of things sort of incrementally woke me up to what was going on. Um, I was heading out in. March of uh, 2007, I was heading to Thailand on a scuba diving trip, and a buddy of mine says, hey, I've got a book you need to read, and he just gave it to me. Didn't ask me, just said, read this book. So on this trip, it was um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins, <laughs> yeah. and I read that book, and you know, I had an idea. I mean, I knew about 9-11, and I knew about, um, you know, I started, I had an idea about the things that had gone on in the past, but I didn't really understand the economic component of it, the World Bank slash uh, IMF and, and, and how they set up these traps for third world countries or, or countries in general, but they become third world countries once the IMF and World Bank get done with them. Set them up to accept these gigantic loans that can never be paid back. So in John Perkins' case, he's talking about, you know, Ecuador and going down there and, and, and getting them involved in a hydroelectric power plant. And the, the pitch is, look, you know, your people will have 
electricity that will have that will light their homes at night. They can read. They can learn to read at night. You know, you've got all these things. You're going to step into the the 20th century. So this is we're talking like in the 19 I don't know 60s or 70s. He was doing this, and um, and and see this is how it pencils out. You know, the plant goes in, generates energy, sell the energy, pay back the loan, all this stuff. Well pay back the loan. What they don't tell you is that it's never going to produce enough energy or the costs are going to be triple or whatever. And the money never goes to the country anyway. It goes to Halliburton or the Halliburton type multinational engineering firms to build this power plant that's going to cost, you know, three times as much and produce, you know, half the promise. And then you're going to be unable to service your debt. And that's when John Perkins characters, the economic hitmen come around and say, oh, Kind of like the mafia, you know, you know that money you owe us, um, well, it's due. And if you can't pay it, well, we've got some, you know, ideas on how we can work that out. It might be you vote our way in a UN resolution, or it might be you, you privatize your lumber industry and sell it to our buddies, or it might be, you know, that you let us put a gold mine there, or you let us put a, a United States Air Force base there, some shitty deal. Yeah. And these countries are trapped, right? They have nothing, they have no way out of this. So it's essentially making a deal with the devil, the devil being the IMF World Bank, the globalists in general behind them sort of pulling the strings. So um, once I read that book, once I understood what was what the plan was, it all made sense. Um, so anyway, I, I came back from Thailand, just my head was scrambled. It took months for me to figure out like what, you know, what are the implications of this? What, what does it mean that, that these, that, that, uh, it's a game, you know, that these, all these countries have been basically put into indentured servitude. And um, you realize it's obviously evil, but then you think, well, okay, how are we going to get out of this situation? Well, then you start to understand, start to look into things like the, the central banks, and you realize that the central banks have created a, 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 their own version of this um, debt that you can never pay back, and they install it in your country. So everyone's sort of a slave to it. Nobody talks about it. It's like the big script that nobody talks about. So, for, you know, so... Uh, like most things, one event led me to another and led me to another and to another. And you go to proverbial rabbit hole. And um, so for me, it came down to just feeling like I didn't really know how I could contribute to getting this word out. I thought I was a pretty good writer. Figured I would uh, sit down and try and write something. And that's, uh, and that's what happened. 540 pages later, I get this gigantic, like you said, textbook of uh of information about events that have happened in the in the past and then i you know i try to end it with something a little bit positive about what what it is we can do to break free of this because we can uh, we can end this uh, grip that they have on us and these these guys um it seems they're gripping now harder than ever i think in part because i think people are starting to wake up to it and uh i think that's probably the key yeah, I remember. shows like yours do a good job about spreading the word about all these alternative topics that people go, wow, I didn't know anything about that. And then they get interested. So you, that's why you guys have done almost 300 episodes because people are interested in what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. In a non-edited, genuine way, like honestly, not, uh, <clears throat> you know, with no, with no agenda as well. Just, just talking, talking shit about stuff. And uh, I remember that book yeah. from like eight, probably eight years ago. 
and it, and it was the same thing. I was with a bunch of guys, and we were we were painting some houses and stuff like that. And th- these were normal guys that weren't really into conspiracies, and they were reading that book, Economic Hitman, and it like yeah. it kind of woke them up a little bit, and me me as well. But I, I think I was already sort of onto some of that stuff before. But that was kind of like that kicked yeah. off kicked off quite a bit for me. And then we also had John on like a few years back. So I'm oh, gonna put really? that, yeah, I'm cool. gonna put that. I'm going to put that link in the show notes because that was a that was a critical critical book for me too. That and and I think that's one of the biggest problems is the the central banks and like you said, loaning money to the countries. Right? There is no more. We don't have our own dollar anymore. It's all from the fucking bank. Remember how much you studied yeah. after that episode? You studied and oh, studied and studied, and then you just totally shit the bed yeah. and didn't ask any questions. Yeah. It was <laughs> For what? For the John Perkins interview? Yeah, yeah he was, was so weird. excited, and then he just overprepared, and then he totally just tanked it. Tanked it. it. Felt horrible. Yeah, it was a good one, but I mean, he didn't really. You know, he seems to be walking all that stuff back now. John? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, you know, he he did his part. Like he he seemed to put a, like a lot of uh, effort into going down there to Central and South America and sort of fighting for these indigenous people. I have a lot of respect for that. But it sort of looked like he was trying to you know atone for his uh sins of his earlier of his earlier life i uh i uh yeah reading that book was just like it was like a light switch i, I remember to the point where this is this crazy was i was going i was underwater doing scuba diving and i was thinking to myself oh on my way up okay well that's good at least i can read more of the book so <laughs> that's, that's funny yeah that's kind of crazy that I'm halfway around the world and I'm thinking about getting up to the top so I can read this book. But so with regard to my book, then one of the things I decided to do, and besides just talking about all these topics was I wanted to put the words of the people that were involved in it into the book. I wanted the people that were involved in these important decisions. I wanted to hear it from their mouths. Now, some of them are in people you would expect like David Rockefeller and, you know, and uh, Woodrow Wilson and, you know, and these and George Bush and all these politicians, but some also George Carlin, you know, yeah, and yeah. funny guys, the guys that had like a take on some of these events. So I have quotes from 500 different people that were involved in these events. And I think a total of over 700 quotes. So I wanted to give some context to the topics that I was talking about and bring in these voices of other people and hear what they had to say. Because a lot of times I'm reading these quotes, I'm finding out for these people that have said this, and I'm going, I can't believe they said me, and I can't believe that David Rockefeller is saying the things that he said. <laughs> and you're going to call me a conspiracy theorist exactly. because I think that he's a globalist, son, you know, motherfucker. He's the one saying it. Like, you know, so that drove me even harder. So so what I'm going to do today, like what I want to talk about is I'm going to read some of them as well in the context of our conversation. So if you hear me quoting people over and over again, that you'll understand why, because yeah. a lot of it comes from the book. And to kick it off, since we're, since we're sort of um, the um, economic side of it, the first and most important one is people ask about like the name, the octopus. It's not original. There have been a lot of people that have... Uh, use that as a term and it's a perfect term because you know you've got an octopus that's uh smart and has eight tentacles and it can change color it can change texture it can spray ink it can be fast and get out of get out of there it can uh, stay in sight and tear you apart with a beak that you don't even know is there because it's hidden so like the octopus is sort of the perfect animal but here's a quote from um 
from a guy named John Francis Highland. I'll explain it. So this is it. It's three paragraphs long. The real menace of our republic is the invisible government, which, like a giant octopus, sprawls its slimy legs over our cities, states, and nation. To depart from mere generalizations, let me say that the head of this octopus are the Rockefeller Standard Oil interests and a small group of powerful banking houses generally referred to as the international bankers. The little coterie of powerful international bankers virtually run the United States government for their own selfish purposes. They practically control both parties, write political platforms, make cat paws of party leaders, use the leading men of private organizations and resort every device to place a nomination for high public office. Only such candidates as will be amenable to the dictates of corrupt big business. These international bankers and Rockefeller Standard Oil interests control the majority of the newspapers and magazines in this country. They use the columns of these papers to club into submission or drive out of office public officials who refuse to do the bidding of the powerful corrupt cliques, which compose the invisible government. It operates under cover of a self-created screen and seizes executive officers, legislative bodies, schools, courts, newspapers, and every agency created for the public protection. Now that's from Justice Highland. He's the mayor of New York City, but this is from 1922. <laughs> so no we're way. talking about almost a century ago. And you listen to this; it sounds like you read it in the paper today. Yeah, nothing's changed. And then, and then, <laughs> no, I, I love it. I was going to ask you about the quotes because that really is is the yeah. part that brings it brings real context to it, and it helps the people that aren't are skeptical of skeptical of nefariousness going on that you know the, some of these quotes are really what put it put it out there i, I love that and then you've got so then you've got well, the five the eight uh the eight main chapters right like military control government control covert control physical control financial media and spiritual i mean that's and that's just the way to summarize and scientific yeah. Yeah. And, oh and scientific yeah, yeah. and those yeah. are yeah and so those are sort of the the eight tentacles that they use to uh to to strangle you. And have you guys ever had Stephen Bassett on your show before? Uh, no, no, no. We've, he's we've the, talked about it. We've of, been in contact a little bit and, and I met him at a conference. Yeah. I met him at a conference once we were going to, but uh, we just haven't got around to it. Well, I got a, the, 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 another quote that I, I, I like that sort of puts this whole thing, like, you know, as we start into perspective is, is this, and he's created this, uh, disclosure. So he's the head of paradigm research group. He's got, uh, um, he's sort of, you know, obviously he's in the UFO field, uh, big time, but, but this is his, his description. And I love it. What is the truth? Imagine if truth was a huge jigsaw puzzle, a big box with 20,000 pieces. And it is the truth, the absolute truth. It's a picture of the world as it really is. You come into this world, you get an education, you're handed this box. And the idea is to put all the pieces together. If you put the pieces together on this huge table, it will be the truth about the world that you live in. So you set about to do that, all good, a wonderful thing, except there's a problem. Turns out the government that you were living under has made a decision to interfere with this truth process. The political decision being made for political reasons to serve the state, almost never the citizens. So the government has taken a whole bunch of those pieces out of your box and has thrown them away. They're missing. Well, that's a problem, but it gets worse. They've grabbed a bunch of pieces from another box, another puzzle, and thrown them into your box to your puzzle. And now you have to put this thing together with an idea that what you're going to find is the truth. That is an almost impossible situation, and it is extremely effective to serve the state. 
So yeah, that was the, what surprised so, me about him is how 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 uh, mad he got when Trump won. He was really really counting on Hillary and Podesta to 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 pull this disclosure yeah. off, and I was just I was quite yeah. shocked. He he was like he left I, his sight for a while. I'm like, holy fuck, dude! Like you really thought that Hillary and Podesta were the ones? I mean. It's it, and then it yeah, makes me I then mean, it makes me wonder if there's any deep state influence on the whole disclosure movement as well. And then Tom DeLonge does the same thing. He gets he, all upset, and then he, and then they come out with this uh, this government release thing. I mean, garbage. It, it just, I know it's, it's so garbage. Podesta just tweeted something the other day about fucking somebody better watch their back or something like that. I don't know if that was a real what tweet. Was? Yeah, I don't know if that was a real yeah, tweet. Yeah, I fucking took the screenshot from his Twitter account. Wow. I yeah. Fo- I yeah. Him. Well, I mean. Yeah, well, that dude is, you know, before, I just remember Podesta being the guy that was pushing for disclosure. And I was like, hmm, all right, I'm on board with that. And I was like, hang on a second. (laughs) This guy is a grade A certified pedophile. And uh, I think that maybe you you might want, if you're you're Steve Bassett, maybe you might not want to hit your wagon to that dude (laughs) uh, as far as disclosure. He doesn't seem in the disclosing business to me. No, Um, no. Maybe the in-closing business or something. Yeah, I feel like that was all fake, even even Hillary trying to bring it up on TV and trying to get all the wording right. Like, you know, if you have to think that much about the acronym, then you're not really interested in it. Yeah, she's a big phony. She's full of shit. I mean, and... <laughs> I mean, how do you? I'm curious to know how do you guys feel in Canada when you look at the United States and, and the political circus? How do you? What do you guys think of this whole thing? It's a bit much, to it's, be honest. It's, it's, get, it's getting pretty disgusting, really. Like the the main the mainstream, and it's really like the mainstream media and what they're what they're doing right now. And I mean, not even who cares about being a fan of Trump or whatever. I'm not saying that we're even fans of Trump, but Graham's the media is just it's just unbelievable how how vitriol it is. I mean, the, the lies and the and the, it's just it's just so disgusting. But on the other hand, we got yeah. fucking Justin Trudeau, bro. So yeah, he's awesome, huh? Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least well, your guys aren't uh, going around dressing up in costumes all over the world. He was a drama teacher, well, the, the, though, the, so I mean, what do you expect? Well, the 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 day's not over yet. We could still we've got we've got Donald Trump with his totally bizarre haircut, who's going to meet with uh, Kim Jong Un in his haircut and i cannot wait to see those pictures those that's going to be fantastic i, I can only imagine what that's going to look like what do you think's going to happen there you think that's like a trick to like i think they're going to fucking try and take trump out blame it on korea oh imagine that <laughs> that's when it happens yeah that's that, that's interesting you did go. you make that up yourself yeah. did you? yeah. that was good did i make that up myself it's not a fucking children's book bro <laughs> well, what's funny, I heard recently someone say, uh, with regard to North Korea, you should uh, take the word North Korea out and replace it with the word CIA. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's interesting that uh, that they have that they have been so infiltrated by the CIA that it's essentially them running the show. And I said, well, I don't, I mean, I don't know how we would figure that out, but it was an interesting, an interesting thought. I'm I'm less concerned about. North Korea than I am. Uh, frankly, I'm more concerned with the media in the United States than I am with 
North Korea doing anything because like you said, they've gone, they've gone full retard now. And, uh, they are pulling out all the stops from cutting YouTube channels to, uh, putting up these CNN, putting up these ridiculous town hall meetings where they've got a bunch of kids reading cute car, you know, cue cards and questions that they've written for them. It was very a very bizarre sort of uh, scene, but I guess that's what you I guess that's what you get into when you've uh, when you've you've been exposed for being so criminally uh, uh, corrupt, like the mainstream media in general. But I'd say CNN in particular. They, I have uh, I have zero respect for them but they and they they treat the the viewers like they lash out at people as if they say well, we're cnn we're you know we're not this fake news but if I, I mean i was in college in 91 when they were the first iraq war and they've got charles jacko and this other guy they're in some sound stage grabbing gas one guy's got a gas mask the other guy's got a helmet the other guy's trying to look for his helmet the other guy's looking through his gas mask and these sirens are going off and they're running around in circles. And I sort of joked in the book that if you turn the volume down on that video and you turn up the Benny Hill theme song, <laughs> it's almost the perfect match. It is so preposterous. And then CNN's going to come out and lecture us about fake news. Give me a fucking break. Yeah. I like mean, you said in your book, you? like you said in your book, it doesn't matter after the fact, even if things have changed and they've redacted stories or they've, you know, yeah. changed their mind. It's already they out never, there. It's, yeah. it's already people it's already already, they never, already believe they never it. give it the same energy or the same uh r- amount of time that they do for a redaction you know they're always sort of uh uh you know the, the, the you know they put it out it's the lead story dun, 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 breaking news and they have that little sound that puts people into a trance and sends them panicking and then if they it turns out that they lied about the breaking news it's just like oh you know we made a mistake and that comes on at one o'clock in the morning when no one's no one's watching no yeah. one's watching anyway. But I don't. Still. I don't think it even comes on anymore in today. It you know? probably doesn't. Like in the last couple probably of years, doesn't. the retractions and all that are gone. Unless what do, what do you mean gone? gone? Like yeah, you know, you used to get like the headline, and then three or four days later, you'd get the uh, on page seven, small print in the corner. Oh yeah, sorry, we fucked that up. Sorry guys. Nowadays, I don't well, even think they remember. do that. <laughs> So if you're wondering whether or not CNN is has any credibility, I would like to give you a quote from them. And I forget who the guy was, but he was this was like three days after 9-11. Here's another development on Saturday. A New York official revealed at a news conference here in the city that a hijacker's passport was found blocks away from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. No other details were given, but the discovery prompted the FBI and New York police to expand their search. I mean, this guy could barely, he couldn't even get the, he couldn't believe the words were coming out of his mouth when he was saying this. The hijacker's passport, Mohammed Atta's passport miraculously survived. It turned two, three buildings into pulverized dust, but a passport made of paper flew out of the airplane, flew a couple blocks away, and landed at the feet of an FBI agent. That is, to me, that is, that is quite something. Um, but I think, it brings up a question. Why don't they just build skyscrapers out of hijackers' passports? Because apparently they're indestructible. It's just preposterous that CNN would even have the audacity to come on the air and try and push that bullshit to people. But they do. So 
So there you go. You know, if you're worried, if you're wondering whether or not you can trust them, the answer is no, no, they have no respect for us. They've stopped caring. They've stopped caring that you, that you, you can see through all their bullshit. They no longer give a damn about it. Yeah. So is, is there anyone out there you do trust or you are kind of following or you do sort of, you can look at their work and maybe. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I, I think I trust WikiLeaks. I mean, uh, they've got a pretty good rate of being correct on things. They don't, they don't jump into the mix all the time, but they tend to vet the, the information. And, and obviously everybody is gunning to give, to, to feed them disinformation. So it's gotta be a hundred times harder to be them than any, just about anybody. But I'll tell you what, I would take, I would trust them over any of the other news organizations in a heartbeat because I don't know that their agenda is necessarily for world domination. It seems to me like it's transparency. Now they might get some things wrong and they might be, they might have been wrong about some things that we don't quite know about yet. But look, you're going up against professional disinformation agents in the CIA and the FBI and MI6 and you know, Mossad. I mean, you are going to get things wrong. I wrote this book in explaining in there. Listen, there's going to be some things in here that I am flat out wrong about. I acknowledge that. I'm not happy. I know it'll come up. I know it will happen. But that's that's what you get when you try to tackle these topics because there's a lot of uh, effort being spent to um, – keep people in the dark. And part of that is information. Part of it is disinformation. And the worst part is a combination of it. So you get, you get 80% truth and you get 20% lies and it's hard to tell where the, where the truth ends and the lies start. But, uh, but if you, if you, if you're afraid to tackle these topics because you think you're going to get them wrong, then just don't even bother because this is, it's going to happen. So I was, I wanted to be upfront about that and acknowledge that that that's a, that's a realistic that's a, that's a, that's a certainty in the book that there will be some things that are wrong. And I acknowledge that, but I don't think it'll tarnish the rest of it. I, uh, I mean, I, you know, I call Wolf Blitzer. Um, I tell Wolf Blitzer to go home and get his fucking shine box. I, I might be wrong about that, but I doubt it. <laughs> I still think no matter that's what, you should go get his shine box, you know, that's not the thing you're going to be wrong about. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm not wrong about that. <laughs> Most of the comedic parts in your book, you, you, you're not wrong about. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so well, when was this, this was, uh, was this 2017 when you came out with your book, like last summer? Or? It came out. Yeah. It came out last summer. So yeah. what's it like now, like eight, eight or nine months later? Like, is it, is, is, cause I mean, things are shifting at a real fast pace here. And then I could imagine writing a book like that. You'd have a continual list of things you'd want to add to it. For sure. Yeah. I, um, well, I mean, if I were, if I were adding additional pages, I think I would, I think the first thing I would be doing right now, just cause it's fresh in my mind would be calling out Luis Elizondo in the Tom DeLong story as utter horseshit and a limited hangout in a total, uh, disinformation campaign. Not to say that I don't believe that there are aliens or UFOs or any of that stuff. Cause I, I absolutely do. I just don't think that I'm, you're going to get that information. I mean, this why, guy's a, why this guy's an, yeah. ex, an ex-CIA agent. What did he grow a conscience last month and decide he's going to now come clean? I mean, give me a break. And I quote plenty of CIA people in the book, but I wouldn't trust them. Yeah. And they seem like decent. Some of them seem like decent guys. Like Kevin Chip seems like a totally decent guy. 
But, you know, if you work for the CIA, as far as I'm concerned, once a CIA agent, always a CIA agent. There's just no point in, uh, in, 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 in trying to pretend that those guys are ever going to tell you the truth. Um, we're going to try know, and get there's, Kevin there's, Chip on the show, actually, with my mom. My oh, mom cool. Was, yeah. You know, I like it. I like yeah. listening to him. I do. I do think that he's probably, um, uh, you know, trying to tell the truth. But it's just that you, you, you have to understand that to have that job, you have to be a professional liar. And I don't even think he could. Uh, I don't think he would even dispute that. Uh, it's not to say that he's still a liar, but you know. Yeah. But he if he needs know. to lie, he'll lie. Absolutely. You know, it's like once yeah, the end they just call the you up and they're just sure. like, "Okay, bro, you're a car salesman today." <laughs> He just puts on his car salesman shades <laughs> and fucking boom, sells cars. These are my car yeah, salesman shades, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, so so we've got some some lies here. So if you if you look back, everybody's favorite George Orwell. There's a great one from it. it says if the, and if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Who controls the past? Ran the party slogan. Controls the future. Who controls the present? Controls the past. So you want to talk about liars? I mean, this is like. 1984 as a uh, instruction manual for <laughs> for how to enslave humanity and you know it just you don't you know, but you don't have to go all the way back to the 50s when that was written you can just go you can say you know listen if you like the health care plan you have you can keep it Barack Obama that's not that's not true that's a lie you, we found the weapons of mass destructions we found biological laboratories in Iraq uh, that's George W Bush and that is a lie and we can go on cigarette smoking is no more addictive than coffee tea or twinkies that was the former ceo of rgr i mean like these you look back on that and you go well of course he's lying of course they're lying about cigarette smoking being bad i mean that's so obvious well guess what they're doing it to you right now not cigarette smoking but they're lying to you about the vaccines and some point in the future, you're going to look back on it. Everyone's going to go, well, of course they were lying about that. And you're going to, they're going to say, why were you stupid enough to believe that? What are you like? Hey, four out of five doctors said smoking lucky strikes is better for you. And you're like to your grandparents, like, why the fuck would you ever believe that? Like, what's the matter with you? How could you? And they go, oh, we, uh, we didn't know. We didn't know. They said it was, it was okay. And I think we'll look back on that and that'll be the same sort of, um, feeling like about to, vaccines and yeah, that's what I was well, exactly with a, with a lot of a lot of this stuff, geoengineering, fluoride in the water. I mean, you, the list goes on in your book as well. And the thing I love yeah. about your book is you you have a lot of these bulleted things because I always I always envision yeah. like I just want to see a bulleted thing about nine eleven or a bulleted thing about <laughs> Sandy too. Hook and just summarize <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and it's perfect because you go through there and you can flip through all this stuff and just see like a nice concise list of points like. The the times the media lied like that's a that's one of one of your bulleted lists like all the liars yeah, in the media. Well, the, so I've got a chapter called Marlboro Man and Autistic Boy, and it's uh, it's talking about the way the big tobacco companies sold cigarettes and how compare it today to how the pharmaceutical companies sell vaccines. And so you want to talk about bullet bullet point? This is. You take a pro-vaccine versus anti-vaccine argument down to just a series of yes or no questions. You can find somebody that's that that is pro-vaccine, and you Ooh, just run it. down this list. I'll try. You will just run down this. Okay, so this is just yes or no. Is mercury one of the most dangerous substances known to humans? Yes. Yes. Is 
Okay. Is thermarosol composed of 49.6% mercury? Yes. Yes. Has thermarosol been used as a preservative in vaccines and flu shots? Yes. Not anymore, though. Is, is thermarosol still being used in some vaccines and flu shots? Yes. Yes. Uh, has the EPA set the toxicity level of mercury at 0.1 micrograms? Yes. Or, I don't expect you to know this, yeah, but the answer well, is yes. Or 600, <laughs> it's 600 parts per billion, isn't it? No, at, at 200 parts per billion, it's toxic. Yeah, uh, yeah I have something like that. I have to find, um, the, well, so then the next question leads it. Are there 25 micrograms of mercury in each flu shot? And, yes. and I, this, yes. Uh, do those flu shots contain 250 times the allowable toxicity limit of mercury? Yeah, well, in some instances, like yes. 50,000 times. Yeah, exactly. Are flu shots recommended by the CDC for the general public? Yes, you can even get a free Target card. <laughs> yes, you can, exactly. Are flu shots heavily marketed to pregnant women? Yes. I don't know about in Canada, but in the U.S. there. Can mercury cause brain damage? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Science yeah. is still up. Yeah. Actually, so, so here, yeah. So in the, in the dirt, drinking water, we get it. That's where we've got the amount of mercury allowed in drinking water is two parts per billion. And the allow, amount of mercury found in vaccines is 51,000 parts per billion. So it's like you are, you are in a bad spot with this. But, you know, so how do you know, like uh, – how do you know when uh, you've got maybe a bad deal or uh, um, I don't know something like uh, maybe they're pushing something that isn't so so uh, beneficial to you? But uh, there are places that have these um, like weekend vaccine. I don't want to call it parties, but it's like uh, um, events at parks. They encourage people to come come by, and and you can all get your you all get in, get in line, all the kids get in line, they all get their flu shots. And then um, at the end of that, uh, they do a drawing, and whoever gets their name drawn gets can win an iPad for getting this. And so what I put in the book was I compared that to, I said, you know, who else invites you to events and, with, the, with the possibility of winning an iPad? And that's timeshare salesmen. And why is that? because timeshares suck and they need to convince you to go there by giving you a free iPad. So they've got all these kids out in these parks and they're luring them and their parents there by the possibility of maybe getting an iPad if they get their name drawn after they get their flu shots. And, um, you know, I mean, that there's, there's, so there's this community pressure for, for people to do that. And it's, uh, it's dangerous. I mean, it can be, it can be extremely dangerous. I and mean, I've listened to you guys, you were talking to, to Greg Carlwood about that. And, um, and I had sort of an interesting story to tell about when we're, I had a, our daughter was, was younger, went into, we were in California. It was before, a little bit before the mandatory vaccine law kicked in. So we were, we'd just moved there. We were going uh, to a couple doctors to check them out, see if we liked them, pediatricians. And, uh, we went in this one room and doctor says, Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you guys. Um, and, and so he says, well, what are we doing on the vaccines here? And it's, well, we're taking a delayed approach to that. And what I meant was we're not doing them. Um, and he goes, he goes, why are you doing that? I go, well, you know, we just have, just have some concerns, you know, just, just going to try and take a delay. And he goes, he turns to me and he goes, um, he goes do you, what do you not believe? What do you not trust the government? And I just started laughing and I go, uh, 
no. <laughs> like, like it was ridiculous. And he goes, okay, well now I know what I'm working with here. Wow. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I like turned to my wife, I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. So we got up and walked out and I was like, that is pretty scary to me. What do you not trust the government? Oh, of course I don't trust the government. Why would you? You know, it was so preposterous. I started to laugh. I thought he was kidding, you know, and he was not kidding. <laughs> and I thought, oh, Jesus, man, like this is, this is crazy. And I don't blame, I really don't blame these doctors. I think that they've been in that system for so long, you know, they, they've been, uh, they come up through medical school, heavily financed by the pharmaceutical industry. You know, they teach them these things from the, you know, from early on. Uh, and they're, you know, most of them are from uh, an era when, it seemed like the pharmaceutical companies were creating things that were trying to help patients. I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think it's run by doctors. In fact, I make a pretty clear case. I show all the CEOs of running the big drug pharmaceutical companies and not, not a single one of them is a doctor. Except one guy. One guy's a doctor, but he's a doctor of English, so it doesn't really count. But uh, they're run by... They're run by MBAs, you know, from Harvard and Yale. They're not run by MDs, some guy that had a family practice for 30 years and just wants to help people. They're run by business people because it's a business. And um, whether it's vaccines or, you know, antidepressants or drugs that put hair on your balls or drugs that remove hair from your balls or whatever it is, there's side effects. And um, they don't want to tell you about that. In fact, when they do tell you about it, they're so preposterous that you just have to laugh. And I don't know how in Canada what the, what the nightly news looks like, but in the in the United States, if you turn on the the national nightly news, you're going to get fifty percent of the commercials will be pharmaceutical ads. Yeah. And the United States and New Zealand are the only two countries that allow that. And I don't know why New Zealand does it. I understand why the United States does it because they're utterly corrupt in the media and pharmaceutical. It's a marriage made in heaven, I guess. But, um, you know, you've got side effects, you know, you've got them reading off these, these, uh, the, the side effects for these drugs. It's like, you know, man, you know, preventing you from, um, you know, sneezing, you know, like a sinus infection and it causes rectal bleeding and like, Spastic colons and Tourette's and all. I'm like, great. I don't have a runny nose, but I'm shitting my pants at a picnic. This is, you know, this is horrible. And uh, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen the the drug Chantix. It's an anti-smoking. It's a stop smoking drug. You can go. To, there's a <laughs> there's a website out there. It's like Chantix Nightmares. I don't know. Dot com or something. I don't know. I'm just guessing. And it's a list of all these people and the the nightmares that they've had while taking chantic. I mean, literal nightmares at night, go to bed, have a nightmare. And like these people have written them down. You've got to go. It is hilarious. And it's actually kind of meant to be hilarious. And it's probably not hilarious for the people that had had the nightmares, but it is, it is crazy. It's like, it's like Stephen King on acid. Uh, so it sounds like a new segment for know, the show. Champax. Yeah. Stories. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I thought it was Chantix. Yeah, guys- I know Kyle was on it for a while, and he said he was having fucking dreams about killing people, no chopping way. them up. Really? Yeah, yeah he said. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to make fun, but it is. It is. Um, it, it's weird though. There's a there's a, a drug, uh, Wellbutrin, a long, long time ago, uh, and it was. It was for depression, and you'd take it, and you would, you know, it was sort of like a mild anti-depression uh, drug. But it was also chemically identical to um, the same drug that was marketed under a different name that would make you stop smoking. 
So it was like, I, I don't know how the two go together, but it was like they said, well, we got this drug. Like, I wonder if we can push it. Like, it cures depression, but let's say it stops rectal bleeding. Like, no, no, let's not do that. Let's say it stop, it'll make you stop smoking. Okay, cool. And we've already done all the research and development. All we have to do now is just more marketing and we can do that. That's no problem. So I, you'll find these drugs that are sort of branded two different names, same exact identical ingredients that they are supposed to cure two separate things. My guess is they don't cure either of them. Uh, but um, huh. I think that's, uh, but that, that's, uh, that's just one of my big, I think one of my bigger complaints only because it's, the media is annoying, but like the pharmaceutical pharmaceutical industry is literally killing people. Like John Rappaport is uh, a great writer, and he's got like some really good segments. He's good on video. He does a lot of stuff on uh, on Fade to Black as well, like once a, every Thursday night. He's talking about how like if if a foreign country did to us what the F, what the FDA or what the pharmaceutical industry does to us, we would declare war on them. You know, like it, it kills a quarter of a million Americans every year. Like in two years, the pharmaceutical industry kills more Americans than World War II. Yeah, <laughs> and that doesn't obviously get doesn't get mentioned in the news when you've got half of your ads being purchased by the pharmaceutical industry. So you, you understand how if you're waiting to hear on the nightly news that uh, um, these medicines, these these pills these pharmaceutical pills are killing tons and tons of people. You'd be waiting a long time. Cause as long as that ad revenue is flowing in from the pharmaceutical industry, there's a manager at the top saying, you're not running that story, you're not running the story about Chantix making people, you know, grab an ax and kill their whole family. Yeah. I don't think so. so. Yeah, man, we agree hundred percent. It's, it's crazy. We did a little <laughs> show on, on the media and who is pay, who is, uh, who owns the companies, A. Darren, and then the main sponsors, and it's now. all pharmaceutical. Yeah, one less now. What do you mean? Well, Disney and Fox are just <laughs> fucking became one, or about to become one. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, and then there yeah. were four. Wonderful, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I was going to ask that's, you about that's okay. It's just going to happen just in time for all that overhead to drive them into the fucking ground. Hope so. The rise yeah. of the independent is coming. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I, hope. I was going to ask you about that since you finished your book last year. And I mean, so much has happened since then, even, I mean, do you think that all these changes and the sort of the pushback against globalism, like whether it's for, uh, you know, the, the Brexit that happened or this later, latest Italian election or yeah. Trump pulling out of the Paris Accord, all that, all that kind of, kind of stuff. Do you think there's something real, real there, or is this just going to be another system of control? Like, cause it's hard to, it's hard to tell. Like, I feel like the the rate of understanding is ramping up, but the increase in the stupidity of the people is also ramping up. So we need to get ahead of the curve just enough to to get this thing uh, fixed because the dumbing down, whether it's chemically dumbing down people, kids, you know, kids in school or people through junk food and uh, or common core education system dumbing people down. So you've got this agenda to, to, to turn everyone into morons. Yeah. And yet then on the other side, you've got the independent media trying to expose all this insanity and awaken people at a rate. And you got to keep that rate 
faster than the rate of people turning into morons. Yeah, and I yeah. think it's—I <laughs> don't know if we can—I don't know if we can pull that off. Well, we'll before we'll they get, before we get shut down too. I mean, this this platform we're on right now is yeah. one of the last yeah. the last ones. Like for all we know, that YouTube channel yeah. when this goes up on YouTube, it could be taken off. Be and, and our podcast, yeah. <laughs> our podcast will still be there on audio for a yeah. while. But yeah, I mean, they can't take down yeah. our podcast. They can't. We could self-host it. No, but yeah. video is a problem. Um, video is a problem, but, it, but video is more subjective. Uh, yes. censorship. I mean, it would start cost us a lot more money, but they couldn't. It's expensive to yeah. to host to post all the videos and host it all that stuff. So yeah, so you're at a disadvantage there, and it's their playing field, and you know, it's their their field. If they want to take the ball and go home, then. They, they can do that. But I think what it signals is the faster that it's happening, and it seems to be ramping up, yeah. uh, the more panicked they are. I think they're, they're, they're understanding that like people are awake to their bullshit. Google, you, you know, YouTube, the parent company, uh, Google parent company of YouTube and mainstream media and places, you know, people like this, they silencing this. It used to be that you would just argue with someone. Then it was that you would argue with them on TV, but they would cut your microphone. Now it's, they just turn you off. They turn your channel off. And next they'll be rounding you up and shooting you in the head like you're Jews in Lithuania in 1941. You know what I mean? Or Russians in Russia. You know, that's the thing that everyone everyone always (laughs) seems to forget is that historically people, you're more likely to be killed by your own government than you are by a foreign government. Yeah, I just watched yeah, the death it, of Stalin the, the other night, and it's just fucking. Oh, they, they try it, and comicize it, it uh, comicalize it a little bit, but uh, you know it's fucked up. So he, he was a. He was a. He was a short, stumpy. Uh, he had a limp, or he had one leg long, shorter than the other, and he had an arm that didn't work very well. I mean, he was a mess. He was not a charismatic leader. And, um, but he was psychopathic, obviously, and just started murdering people. And that's the thing. I mean, in, in World War II, the Nazis were so proud of what they're doing. They filmed it all, you know? So that's why you have all the, the, the black and white history channel stuff. I've watched, I think I've watched every World War II documentary. I think I can get my hands on. Um, and you always see the Nazis doing all these horrible things and shooting them. They don't realize that the NKVD, the Soviet, uh, version of the SS, uh, they were killing six times as many people. They just weren't doing it on film, and they were taking them to Siberia to do it, you know. And so, and 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 same with Mao in China. So, you know, until some accounts are seventy-three million Chinese, and 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 what is the what is the common denominator between what Stalin did, what Mao did, Pol Pot did? They disarm the population first, and uh, yeah, and there's a quote from now that says, "Take the guns away." Yeah, yep. yeah. You 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 disarm the population before the massacre is what Mao said. And I'm not a gun fan. I mean, I'll say that I'm not a I'm not a I don't I don't shoot guns. I'm not into that. But I'm also not into getting murdered by the government. So I I think that um, when you see things like these school shootings, whether real or uh, invented. There's an obvious purpose to it. It is to turn public opinion against um, guns. And I can understand that. I have a very good friend, uh, family, friends that had a gun tragedy in their in their lives, and it's horrible. And I don't like guns, and I wish they didn't have it. I watched a guy who was involved um, in an attempted carjacking. I watched a guy put a gun to my mom's head and say he was going to kill her when I was, you know, eight years old. 
didn't happen, but I saw that. So I'm not a fan of guns. However, I do understand the strategy and I do understand the plan. And they're right. You disarm the population before the slaughter. So if you have a bunch of maniacs that are running the country or you're running the world, say globalists, um, that's a strat- That's a plan you have to follow. That you would follow if you were them. You would disarm the population before the slaughter. So, and you're not going to have it done all at once. Not if you want it to stick. So it has to be incremental. So what you'll see is you'll see gun a, a shooting in school, and then they say we got to get rid of AR-15. Shooting somewhere in Vegas, got to get rid of bump stocks, whatever that is. Shooting somewhere else, then it'll be we got to get rid of we got to get rid of shotguns, and then it'll be shooting somewhere else. We got to get rid of handguns and it'll be we got to get rid of muskets you know and then it'll be we got to get rid of slingshots it'll be everything will just incrementally get taken away until you have no no way to defend yourself and most people will say well what do i have to defend myself if nobody else has a gun then i don't have to defend myself there are people that have guns and it's either criminals or the government or maybe <laughs> depending on how you look at it they're this might be the same people but um to be unarmed is to be at the mercy of uh, of your government or the person that that has has the gun. So I, I I I fear that the media is being used as a tool to chip away at that. Um, because if I were a globalist lunatic wanting to take over the world, that's what I'd do. Yep. You know, I'd, I'd 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 want those guns out of people's hands, and I would do it in a way that made them demand it. <laughs> which is genius, frankly, you know, so if you have to concoct it, you know, they go by the philosophy of, Hey, if you got to break some eggs to make an omelet, then you got to break some eggs, whether it's Madeline Albright saying that about half a million dead Iraqi children, or whether it's, you know, some maniac in the FBI saying, well, you know, we'll shoot up some people in Las Vegas, whatever got to happen. You know, this yeah. is for the greater good. This is for a bigger cause. This is for, Humanity, however they've sold it to themselves, it's it's the equivalent of the, uh, you know, look, it's going to be tough, but rather these 50 people in Las Vegas get shot rather than um, rather than everyone still has guns and you try to take them. Taking your mansions and your cars, and you know, it's easy to sell rich people right, on right. poor people shouldn't have guns. Yeah. So I was going to mention, right. I was, <laughs> was going to mention in there about that when we get back to the doctor topic there. there there is a lot of doctors yeah. that are also i feel like maybe it's because when i started listening to more of the like alternative health and biohacking kind of stuff like there seems to be a lot of doctors and scientists that have sort of left the mainstream and you know you never hear about those people that have their credentials that know that there's other types of healing or that don't buy into the medical system yeah. and then and then you, you you also had that chapter on the uh, the dead holistic doctor. So, I mean, I want to, I did want to, yeah. I did. I, we haven't been able to explore that at all on the show really, but it's an interesting yeah. topic to us for sure. Is that, do you figure there's something to that then? Yeah, I do. Unfortunately there are, uh, and, and I'm not, I'm not taking credit for discovering that the other people that um, work in that field have, have put that together, but yeah, you've got a list of some uh, of a lot of doctors that have turned up dead holistic doctors, meaning, People, that, uh, doctors that aren't operating under the standard sort of um, petroleum-based medicine, which sounds kind of weird when you think I mean, it's petroleum-based, but it's real. That really is basis of a lot of this the synthetic medicine. So you're talking about people that are working with um, whether it's hemp, you know, CBD, hemp oil, you know, cannabis, things like that, or GC math. Um, 
and I'm not a doctor and I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor and I don't know the ins and outs of all of this, but uh, the research that I did was pretty interesting. So you've got a, a substance called GC math. What, what, sorry, what's it called? Help. GC what? G, GC math. It's an abbreviation. Oh, okay, so it's yeah, capital yeah, G, yeah, yeah. lowercase C, capital M, capital A, capital F. And, okay, yeah, um, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, there were guys that were had had set up some facilities in you know two two facilities in England and one of them got shut down and so he opened another one in Switzerland and I think there's one in the other one in England got shut down and and then guys from his clinic just started turning up dead like under bizarre circumstances um, there were people that would go uh, one guy went out to uh, he was getting ready to go on a long weekend with his uh, wife to celebrate their anniversary. He was zipping over to the convenience store to get, uh, I don't know, maybe, you know, case of beer or whatever bag of potato chips or something, whatever for their, for their trip. And then parked his car and then decided to shoot himself twice in the chest and then throw himself in a river. And they're like, Oh, it was a suicide. I mean, okay. <laughs> you know, so you've got this, you've got people turning up, uh, you know, dead suicides, two shots to the back of the head, two different caliber guns and things like that. You have their uh, offices getting raided by the FDA, real weird stuff. And, um, the common thread in, in a lot of these murders or these, these alleged suicides was that they were alternative medicine practitioners. They were working on curing people with autism by removing mercury from their body. And they were doing that with a process, uh, with a substance called GC math. And, um, I mean, I think the FDA is like a bit of, they're like the medical mafia, you know, and I'm sure it's, it's easy for them to go hire some, uh, some agents that, uh, you know, shoot up people and make it look like suicides and they have uh, dirty politicians or dirty police chiefs or whoever investigating these or, coroners that uh, will give them the sort of stamp that they need on it to remove any suspicion. But yeah, it's been happening a lot. And I don't mean just three or four. I mean, we're talking, I don't know what the final count number is, but it's in the seventies right now of holistic doctors that are just dead, young doctors that are dead under completely circum, uh, you know, uh, mysterious circumstances and, uh, and so it's something to look at. And, you know, like anything, if you're getting flack, then you're probably right over the target. And that is uh, with these, you get these holistic doctors. If, if they are actually being whacked, then the question is why, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're kooks and witch doctors and, you know, crazy, you know, Terrence McKenna, ethnobotanist, uh, maniacs eating mushrooms and talking about, uh, giving everybody a hug, then why murder them? Like, why would you care if they're, if they're not to, if they have no credibility? And I think the answer is because they do. I think they're, they're on to something. And I think they have the potential to interrupt a, uh, you know, a trillion dollar industry, which is the pharmaceutical industry. And, uh, you know, goes back to the whole, if you have to break some eggs to, in this case, protect your empire, um, they won't hesitate to do that. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, History is replete with, with uh, examples of people getting whacked for lesser uh, crimes. But so uh, holistic doctor, you, when you start to put that piece, pieces together, you go, God damn it. Like, seriously, is there no limit to to how evil these people are? And, and I don't, 
you know, I, I'm I'm scared to see where where it would be going. It takes a lot Better of not effort. Get the podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <I don't... laughs> no, but well, I, I, I often that, wonder uh... about the I often wonder about the pushback because the the pushback on all these topics, whether it's people that you know don't think that the vaccines are good, or whether it's against geoengineering or or climate change. I mean, the pushback is so harsh that it, it, to me, that, that in some way helps prove that, that they're wrong because they, you know, if if somebody's wrong, you don't have to fucking push back that hard and call them names and do all that kind of stuff. Like just let them be wrong and the truth will come out and they'll figure it out. But because they have to push back. Yeah. 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 The react, their reaction to it is, is like a, a husband being dragged down to the station to be asked questions about his missing wife. You know, they're like, what missing? I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, the more they sort of deny it, the more frantic they get, the more guilty they look, you know, and they are um, clearly pushing back hard in every direction because I think they're, I think they're panicked. And I think they, uh, I think they, I think they should be panicked. I think they, I think the, the people are waking up to it now. Will it, and I think this is this is also shown by the fact that, like we were talking about earlier, shutting down YouTube channels, shutting down those voices out there. Well, why would you shut down those voices if those voices are crazy? If they're crazy, people let them keep talking because they'll just embarrass themselves. Exactly. Well, well they just that shut isn't down, happening. They just shut down Mike. Uh, is it Mike Sweet. Adams or the Health Ranger? Really? Yeah, they just shut yeah. down his YouTube yeah. channel really? today. Wow, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> I was on Jeff Rentz's show a couple of days ago, and I said, "I said I'm so sorry to see your YouTube channel go." He goes, "What? My YouTube channel?" Gets <laughs> I said, "No, I'm just kidding." But <laughs> I, I said, "I'm saying it in, in advance because you know it's going, yeah, right?" Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, I know it's going." He's like, "I just thought, <laughs> thought you were saying it had actually gone." I said, "Well, listen, but you know, it, it might within you know very soon. I mean, you're you're, you're next. I think you guys are into um, you guys have so such a broad." you know, array of topics that you, that you talk about. Um, I'll tell you what though, if they, if you guys go away, if you get shut down, then, then all subscribers, all listeners, all fans need to go apeshit. You know what I mean? Because regardless of, 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 of whether or not someone likes your channel, like they should flip out because this is not okay. This, 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 uh, this behavior of the people controlling these the the media channels, this behavior of just shutting, turning people off, it's not okay, no. and it can't stand. And we do have, uh, I know, I get sort of negative with all this stuff of all, you know, how how bad it is. But there is something to remember, and that is that we have the we have the numbers. We have an overwhelming amount of numbers of people, and we can vote with our eyeballs by watching what we want to watch on TV, listening to what we want to listen to on the uh, radio or on, you know, on, on the internet. And we got our wallets and we just say, listen, we're not playing that game anymore. You want to do this? You're going to, you're going to kick these people off your channels. Well, we'll go to another channel. We'll start our own channel. We'll start with you guys on Twitch and, uh, and uh, you know, these, these alternative channels where you can uh, broadcast. I mean, I think YouTube is overplaying. I think YouTube is sealing their own fate. I mean, the, the technology world is littered with MySpaces and, and Friendster and all these places, all these platforms that were the shit, you know, 15 years ago seemed indestructible. And now people are like, what? Huh? Who are they? And YouTube keeps, keep this business up. And you know what? You'll be, an, you'll be another folded division of uh, Google, just like they're, 
stupid social media well, not only that, that like right now i'm sure that they're in the midst of um you know like they're shutting down channels that ha they're not shutting down channels that don't have any means you know the problem is that they've decided to start this battle when all these you know a lot of these accounts that are getting shut down have made money oh. so they can hire lawyers so i yeah. mean right now there's a bunch of fucking legal battles going on and not only that you've got this this little lawsuit in the back that no one wants to talk about where all these fucking people are suing trump for blocking them on twitter well i'll tell you what mm, if, if fucking the supreme court decides that trump can't block anyone on twitter then Twitter and YouTube are in big fucking trouble because that means that right. these platforms have just been um, labeled by the Supreme Court as fucking f platforms of free speech. So if Trump can't block yeah. anyone on Twitter, then fucking Twitter can't fucking shadow ban and Twitter can't delete accounts and neither can YouTube. Right. And then all right, of a sudden, right. I mean, no one's talking about it, but I guarantee you all these people are watching what happens with these lawsuits very carefully. Because if those turn oh, yeah. out to be free speech platforms, then then there's going to be class action lawsuits all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, and it's bad for business. I mean, YouTube is, is making them, they're looking like jackasses by doing this. What do they care? Why, I don't understand why, why they've got a dog in this fight. Um, they should be, I mean, they're sending away people, you know, channels with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of subscribers are just turning them off. That's bad for business. That's stupid. That, that is insane. And that's sure. And for a company that is so driven by greed, you would think that they would say, listen, I don't care what, I don't care what you guys want us to do at the CF, you know, at the Bilderberg meeting or the CFR meeting. We're in a we're running a business here, and we need to, uh, you know, we need we need to make as much money as we can, and then we're not going to get rid of channels just because that's a political thing, unless you're Eric Schmidt, who's running Google or who is running Alphabet, and um, the CIA pulls you aside and say, hey, we got some pictures of you that you know, with a goat, and uh, you know. We're going to let these, these pictures are going to be very damaging to your family or your marriage, your job. Uh, but we can make these goat pictures go away uh, as long as you do a little favor for us. And what we need you to do is we need you to, we need you to turn off some of these accounts and we need it to, you know, just a little thing here, just here and there. And then they do a little here, they do a little there. And next thing you know, the goat pictures come back and it's just like, that's how it, that's how it runs. Yeah. It runs it's, I mean, it's a losing, mail. it's a loss leader anyways. Right. So it could be just, yeah. why, why not just take it to this level if you're them, because you're losing money with YouTube anyways. Now you just get to control the message a bit and lose money at the same time. Yeah. I, I just, I, I think that the people are going to, uh, I think that the people are waking up to the bullshit of the mainstream media, and that's a good thing. Everybody have, comes about at their own, pay, you know, at their own pace. Um, like I said, for me, it was it was building building seven, watching that thing come down and going. I'm no structural engineer, but um, this is a problem. <laughs> You've had uh, uh, architects and, and engineers 9/11 truth on, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yep. And uh, and we've had some other nine eleven nine eleven shows as well. I mean, each each of these areas, yeah. it's interesting how nine the nine eleven sort of movement has split as well, and as as well as the UFOs. I mean, a lot of the little sort of topics that we talk about are even split. I mean, even the 
the geo geoengineering chemtrail crowd is kind of right. split and, and polarized now. But before before we run out of time, I wanted to ask you about sticking around with the media and the government. The, you mentioned the smith Munt Act in your book. Um, yeah. can, you, can you touch on that a little bit? Because I think that's something that people really don't yeah. don't know about much as well, and it's a very important. Yeah. So, yeah. So the 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 Smith Munt Act was put in place years ago, and what that did is that was um, that was a an anti propaganda law that prevented the U.S. government from uh, broadcasting propaganda to its citizens. It was they repealed it. Uh, on July 2nd of 2013, and 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 they what they did is the, the Smith Munt uh, Renovation Act, I think is what it was. Uh, anyway, it, it was it was just a new version of it, and uh, and that basically lifted that provision. So it was repealed, and they what it did is it unleashed thousands of hours per week of government-funded radio and TV programs onto Americans. Um, of domestic uh, propaganda, and it's weird because it was in place. So the Smith Munt Act was was in place. The Smith Munt Modernization Act of 2012 came in, and that what it did was it repealed the domestic prohibition. So, um, and that's been in place for 40 years. So it's weird to me that you would that takes effort to 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 add the Modernization Act. All they had to do was do nothing, right? Because doing nothing meant that there was a law in place that prohibited domestic propaganda. Somebody came up with the idea, you know, we need to get rid of that. We can't get, we can't make it, we can't just get, do away with the law, but let's do a, a moderate, the Modernization Act of 2012. Well, that sounds good until you realize that the modernization that they're, that they're pulling for, or they're, they're pushing in this, was to take the domestic prohibition out. So somebody wonder, decided yeah. that they wanted they wanted the American people to be subject to domestic propaganda. And guess what happened right after that? What do you, what starts happening right after things like that? Start to get Sandy Hook and the Boston bombing, blah blah blah. And here you go because it's now legal, and that stuff is propaganda. <laughs> that is government funded broadcast propaganda in its purest form. And um, so when people say, well, you know, fake news, fake news, fake news, the fake news is the mainstream media news. And it started once they made this, they put the Smith Modernization Act in there because it now legalized and it gave them the cover, the, pol- the, the political cover to, to say whatever they want. And if anyone challenges them on court and they say, well, listen, this, is, this isn't to be taken seriously, this is propaganda. This is suggestions. This isn't truth, and and now they've got this new law to cover their ass on it, and uh, and that is just, I mean, that's reprehensible. But but I, are we surprised? Are we shocked by this? I mean, the you've got the the head of CNN saying Jeff Zucker saying chaos is good for CNN. <laughs> well, well, um, we're, we're we're all very happy for you, Jeff. And uh, and so he hires guys like Don Lemon, who I, I'm not kidding when I say this. This is 100% serious. Don Lemon from CNN, he speculated on air if Malaysian Air Flight 370 was swallowed up by a black hole. No, I, he didn't. I, 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 he did. I watched I, it. I remember that. You can find it. I remember that. Isn't that racist? It is. <laughs> 
it, that, it, that's exactly right. It's racist as, as well as being stupid. <laughs> Why got to be a black hole? Yeah, exactly. Jesus. I thought we were past that. <laughs> so, so, I mean, I don't know if I would classify that as domestic propaganda. I think I would just call that domestic stupidity. But still, um, he's covered by law now because of that. So, uh, um <laughs> do you do you guys remember you know do you remember uh, who Christopher Hitchens is? Uh, he's a British guy. He's, he's really funny. Yep. I think he died a couple of years ago, but he's got a great a great quote that I put in the book. It's, My own view is that this planet is used as a penal colony, lunatic asylum, and dumping ground by a superior civilization to get rid of the undesirable and unfit. I can't prove it, but you can't disprove it either. <laughs> just like, ah, I think you might be onto something. That's exactly what we're like the dumping ground for the, for the solar system. They've taken all the maniacs. Where does that put them in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> the penal, well, I think it gets the them off the colony hook. on the penal colony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Australia. Well, you get such a bad rap. Well, they their food did. sucks, though. But um, it's not maybe their fault. They're politicians. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, I know you're waiting, uh, you got a plane to board right away. Um, if you had to pick yeah. a favorite chapter or a favorite topic or a most important topic out of the book as one last thing to hammer home to our listeners, what would it be? Oh boy. Well, let's see. Let me find this how one. The, I wanna... How about the chapter in the end? Uh, what do we do about it now? Where yeah, that's the here? most... That's the most, uh, that's probably the most uplifting of, of, of them all. It, we, we, we have to remember that we have control. We have to remember that we have power. And there are a lot of great things in our future. There really are. I mean, we've got, we've got some amazing um, uh, people on this planet. Not everybody is a, is a psychopathic mass murderer. Um, but we've got, to, we've got to wake ourselves up and... We've got to actually do something about it. I, I, for a long time, was a spectator. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had to do anything about it. I didn't really know what I was going to do about it, what I, what I could do. Um, I think in your case, you guys have really cool podcasts that tackle tackle interesting subjects. For me, I just started writing. In fact, I wrote the book. I didn't tell anyone I was writing. I didn't even tell my wife I was writing it <laughs> in the middle of the night. And I just, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story. I just wrote as much as I could at night. I'll see how I feel. Do I like it? I kept going. I kept going. I'm on to something here. And so I just did it all in, the, you know, a little bit at night when, you know, she was at work, I'd do some while I was working and I would I'd find a way to piece it together. Never told her, didn't tell anyone. First person I told was my mom, just because I needed a second set of eyes to read the, the book again and give me some, you know, tighten it up a little bit. And then I ordered them uh, a couple copies, physical copy of the book from Amazon. I had not held the physical copy of the book yet. I got the mail one day, wasn't in there. I went out to the grocery store to go do something. I came back. UPS delivers at a different time from the mail. So the UPS box came a couple hours later. My wife is holding the book. She's opened the box and she's holding this book and she's going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> And I was like, uh, <laughs> surprise, it's the book. And she goes, get out, get out. Oh, so hilarious. I spent two, I spent two days, uh, staying somewhere 
else. And really? <laughs> I finally answered, listen, I really did. She was so pissed off. At the, I said, honey, I'm not cheating on you. I don't have a secret double family in Utah. I don't have a wife and kids in another state. I'm not, I'm not, a, not smoking crack. I, I wrote a book. And she's like not having it. So wow. um, she's, she she has calmed down about it lately, but but it, wow. at first it was not it was not something that she was pleased about. But I I, I felt compelled to write it. I but, couldn't I couldn't um, I couldn't stop once I started because I felt like it was important. I felt like my bizarre sense of humor could get these messages across to people. And I also remember what it was like to have these like I said like have conversations with people and have them look at you like you're insane. And I was thinking, you know. If only I could give them the context of why I think what I think, it might make a little bit more sense. It, it, what if it would it make difference if you know if you heard David Rockefeller say that their intention is to create a new world order? Would you believe that the new world order stuff is actually real? When you hear the head guy say, you know, I've been called a globalist, saying that I have intentions to take over the world. If that's the charge, I stand, I stand guilty and proud of it. Yeah. Like, would that change your mind? Exactly. You know, so to me, I compiled these. I wanted to make an argument. I mean, I wanted to make my case on some of these different events and, and back it up with something. Um, and so that's what I said about doing. And so in, in, in close, since I'll tie up since we were just talking about Australia and you guys are in Canada, I will, I will put this to you with a question and this is, this will be a trivia question. We'll see if you guys can get it, but this is, um, uh, who gave the following speech pushing for American invasion of Iraq during the, search for weapons of mass destruction in late March of 2003. Was it Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper or Australian Prime Minister John Howard? And here's the speech, and I want you to tell me who, who gave the speech. It is inherently dangerous to allow a country, such as Iraq, to retain weapons of mass destruction, particularly in light of its past aggressive behavior. If the world community fails to disarm Iraq, we feel that other rogue states will be encouraged to believe that they too can have these most deadly of weapons to systematically defy international resolutions and that the world will do nothing to stop them. So who gave that speech? Well, it didn't have an accident. It didn't have an accent. So it must've been Harper. (laughs) The answer is they both gave that speech. The exact same speech. That's even creepier. The exact same speech. Really? They gave, they gave the exact same speech. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's creepy. Uh, that you can go to my Facebook page. We should go stop by his house and ask him about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link to your Facebook page. We're not going to anyone's yeah, house. So, We're not going to anyone's house. We're I know joking. you're not, and I'm not encouraging <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> my So Facebook, uh, the Octopus of Global Control, my page there, you can see the videos. And there's a great video someone made that splices the two. That it's a split screen between the two, and they're giving the exact same speech. They're reading the exact same words, the exact same way. So if you don't think that the politicians are controlled by somebody above them, watch that video and then see what you think. Nice. Because they are puppets. And um, and that's just unfortunately the way it is. But like what? you said, it doesn't have to be that way. No, and one of my favorite chapters before we let you go is the appendix. Uh, more more lists. Yeah. So you've got like a, a sheet of... And it's it's just a ton of banks, central banks owned by the Rothschilds family. And yeah. there's like two pages of them, the council on For- foreign <laughs> relations, all the board of directors and who's yeah. on that. People can just look at all the people that are on that and their business and media ties, the directors, the media members, the trilateral commission members. 
I mean, it's it's just dual U.S. Israeli citizens that hold uh, White House cabinet uh, positions and also, um, you know, Senate positions as well. I'm not talking about people in government that are Jewish. I'm talking about people that have dual citizenship, U.S. Israeli. And you've got guys like these are household names, Rahm Emanuel, David Axelrod, uh, Larry Summers, Ben Bernanke, Paul Volcker, Michael Chertoff. Paul Wolfowitz, Doug Fife, Scooter Libby, uh, John Bolton, David from Ari Flesh, Henry Kissinger, Janet Yellen. I mean, it goes on and on. Uh, Barney Frank and uh, Shelley Berkeley and you name it. Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, what a surprise there. Uh, Anthony Weiner, dual citizen. Barb- Diane Feinstein, Al Franken, Chuck Schumer, uh-huh. you know. It's not to say that being an Israeli citizen is a problem, but when you're in the United States government, and I would imagine it's the same in Canada as well, to have dual citizenship is a conflict of interest, whether it's U.S. Israeli or U.S. Iranian or U.S. Mexican or whatever. Um, You should have to pick a team. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's lists of that as well. So if you're interested in in seeing this and sort of a visually easy way to process it all. Yeah, Bilderberg. I like bullet points. Bilderberg project yeah. for a new American century. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a activity <laughs> page in the back. <laughs> Connect the dots to uh, your favorite psychopath. Yeah. If you want to make a list of who the, the lunatics are running the world, you you probably start with the Bilderberg list and the uh, project for a new American century. I would say that if you take those people, uh, you keep, keep an eye on them because they're definitely up to no good. Right on. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. How have you been enjoying that Denver airport? I hear it's a little fucked up over there. Oh, yeah. It's definitely, well, they've taken a lot of that stuff out, but yeah, oh, there is they? some weird stuff. Yeah, they took the paintings out oh, because man. they were creeping everybody out. No kidding. It, I mean, I've got, oh, they're totally bizarre. But in the, in the baggage claim, in the luggage area, they've got like, up in the corners, they've got like a, a statue of like a suitcase and then a gargoyle coming out of it. I'm not really sure if they're just trying to scare the shit out of kids or what, but, and then and the, there's another part that has like a, like a, like a statue to the, you know, like a, a tribute to the construction of it. And it was like the new world airport order. And it's got Freemason signal, you know, symbols all over it. And you're just like, wow, that's kind of strange. And then you find out that there was no new world airport commission. It was never really even a thing. <laughs> So, it's, it's I, have a, a weird place. I have a theory that uh, that Calgary and Denver are connected by their airport underground tunnels through the airports. I built the airport. Yeah, there's I no know. underground tunnel. There's a big, there was a big hole there. You don't know what's oh, down there. Okay. Yeah, there's a massive. I hole. heard that they excavating dirt from this airport here for uh, since they started building it, like in 2000 or in 1995. I guess they started on it, and oh. it's still excavating dirt. To this day. There you yeah, go. The Denver one, sure, know. but not the Calgary one. Yeah, Denver. That's no, why they had to cold. start building the like airport here because Denver popped out. They're like, holy fuck, we better build a bigger airport. They <laughs> missed the mark. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, I'm getting I'm going from one airport to uh to Las Vegas right now. So oh, nice. you know, from one place to another crazy airport. Right on, enjoy your enjoy your time. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It was it was a whole lot of fun. All yeah, right. no sweat. Fly safe. Thanks, man. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that was a chat with Charlie Robinson. He heard us on THC, reached out, 
Why don't you come to the show? He, the first email, he had the book and everything. Yeah. This perfect. I've, I remember hearing about the book and why he was probably, he's probably on our wish list way back. Really? And we haven't made it to, we can't, probably, we can't, yeah. we just can't make it to everybody. Ah, the, the list just gets longer. It's, it's, it's incredible. I thought it was going to get smaller and we'd be struck. It's, it's crazy. It's getting huge. Huge. It really is something else. Yeah. Big thanks. Charlie is just sitting in an airport on his cell phone. Yeah. We need yeah, that book here. Be, that's going to be weird. We need that book here. We'll be referencing it all the time. I'm telling you. It's going to be weird to um, be in an airport doing an interview. Yeah. Especially when it's about this kind of stuff. Like, do you yeah. not worry they're going to pull you over? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think he waited, me, sir. he waited until he was through security. Oh, of so, course. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't want to have to go to through security right after that. So I was just at an airport in Vancouver and it's, it's weird now, all the security. I don't know. I just, cause it's been a while for me and there's like 20 people in this little area all working. Like who's paying all those wages? You are. Yeah. No, airports are independent. Sure it comes, oh, it sure it's on the comes flights. back to us. You don't think it comes back Probably. to us? Airport improvement fees. Why do you baby? think our flights cost so much? Ah, oh, it's fucking ridiculous. It's more expensive to fly to... It's more back east than it does is to fly to Mexico. It's or, more or important Europe. to fly to Edmonton. And more expensive to fly to Edmonton and back than it is to fly from Florida to Seattle and back. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. But I could We're drive. I could drive We're there fucked. quicker. And we got the carbon taxes. We. I don't know, man. Things are getting rough up here. Sons of bitches. Anyway, big thanks to Charlie for coming on the show. Big thanks to you guys for listening. Do uh, head over to slash support guys. Um, sign up for a weekly, a monthly, a yearly, or a Patreon or a subscription of some kind. Uh, it really is the only way we can keep this show going and kind of keep growing and things are always breaking and they need to be fixed and we're trying to do the new video thing and you guys want Graham to take his shirt off. Uh, None of that can happen. No, it said Graham very specifically. <laughs> None of that can happen without some supporters. So head on over to GrahamArica.ca slash support. Sign up for one of those today. And uh, help us keep these chats going, uninterrupted, no commercials, no sponsors, no bullshit. Just us and you guys. So yep. help us keep doing it that way. Of course, if you can't afford to support the show monetarily, uh, check out the show notes. They're in every show. And there's like five, six different things you can do there that really do help out that are free. Review the show, share the show, uh, tell your friends about the show. That's the same thing as sharing the show, I guess. Sign up for the newsletter. Connect on Facebook or not Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, all those things. Yeah. Like us on Facebook. I guess Facebook. Just do all the shit in the show notes. Yeah. Seriously. Just do it all. So thank you. got to thank everybody for listening live too. Oh yeah. And like this around. video. Yeah. Um, this will come back out again in a, in a YouTube video, right? That's uh, right. As when it comes out on audio. Let's t- yeah. Let's talk about so. that after we okay. wrap right. up the show. Okay. All so right. do you have anything else? Nothing else? No, that's it, man. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Messiah